KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. MCASD.org. San Diego County is joining a growing list of jurisdictions with expanded outdoor business and religious activities. COVID-19 is far less likely to spread outdoors than indoors, and San Diego's agreeable climate has made moving activities outside an easy alternative. The County Board of Supervisors Wednesday approved a measure to streamline permitting for outdoor gyms and religious services at reservable county parks. Supervisor Diane Jacobs sponsored the action. We're being as innovative as possible and as flexible as possible to help our businesses and our churches, our gyms, and other businesses as much as possible under some very, very understandable strict circumstances. The move comes a day after the city of San Diego extended its fast-track approval for outdoor dining, retail, salons, worship services, and gyms. Similar measures have been passed in Chula Vista, National City, Poway, and other cities. California companies could soon be required to tell their employees if someone in their workplace has been exposed to COVID-19. Assembly Bill 685 would also require employers to report to Cal OSHA if a worker tests positive, if there's an order to quarantine, or if a worker dies from a cause that could be related to COVID-19. San Diego Assemblywoman Lorena Gonzalez says the legislation is crucial to stopping the spread of the virus in the Latinx community. It will prevent our, our, our Latino communities from from taking that home and exposing their families. We know that's also happening. And so this is um, essential, we think, uh, to, to stop the bleeding really in our community. If all goes well, the bill could be on the governor's desk in the next few weeks. State Senator Ben Hueso, a Democrat from Chula Vista, voted against a bill Wednesday that would increase buffer zones between oil or gas pumps and homes or schools. The bill was before the Senate Natural Resources and Water Committee. He called the bill a publicity stunt at a time, quote, when we cannot afford publicity stunts. Assembly Bill 345 was widely panned by the oil industry and labor groups, but it was praised by environmentalists. Hueso rejected the bill, asking if it was essential legislation during this pandemic. He got pushback from other committee members who say clean air for communities of color is essential business. Community advocates say more than 5 million Californians live within a mile of a drilling site, though none of those sites are in San Diego County. Assembly Bill 345 will be reconsidered next week. Good morning. I'm Annika Colbert filling in for Kinsey Moreland. It's Thursday, August 6th. You're listening to San Diego News Matters from KPBS News. Stay with me for more of the local news you need to start your day. Recovery efforts are still underway in Lebanon's capital city after an explosion that killed at least 135 people and injured thousands more. Doris Bitar is a North Park resident and has lived in Beirut. She says many in the capital city, including her cousin, can't count on the government right now. They're just going to take matters into their own hands, not in terms of government, but in terms of cleaning the place up and rebuilding. 
She says seeing the once vibrant capital city of Beirut in shambles is not easy. The main feeling I have is, aside from sadness, is frustration. It feels like Lebanon has hit rock bottom. KPBS reporter Matt Hoffman spoke to another San Diegan who also has roots in Lebanon, Mark Caban. My family is Lebanese, and uh, we emigrated the country during the Civil War. Mark Caban spent part of his childhood living in Lebanon and says family members tell him the blast has devastated the capital city. Their windows are blown up. Their businesses are blown up. All the mom-and-pop businesses around the ports in the surrounding uh, cities four kilometers have lost everything. The explosion is thought to have been caused by nearly 3,000 tons of highly explosive ammonium nitrate being stored near the port. Think about San Diego, this would be like our ports. But to imagine that it's the only port in, in your city that brings in any supplies, medicine, food, vaccinations. For Caban, the explosion comes at a crucial time. Lebanon is strapped for cash and their currency is plummeting. How do we rebuild the country? There's thousands of people that have lost everything. If you see the images of, of the streets of Lebanon and Beirut, they're unrecognizable. Matt Hoffman, KPBS News. San Diego County now has a hotline for reporting violations of the COVID public health orders. Health officials said Wednesday 10 more people died from the virus and that there are 348 new cases. It comes as the state is reporting technical glitches that may have led to an underreporting of cases. Here's KPBS health reporter Taryn Mento with more. San Diego County officials say they are working to determine if the region was affected by a technical glitch at the state level that may have undercounted cases. Primarily from the commercial labs. Uh, Supervisor Nathan Fletcher says results confirmed by county and local labs are reported back to the county, but commercial labs communicate directly to the state. There's been a breakdown in that reporting system at the state. They're working to rectify it. Our team has been in contact with the state and are determining uh, how many tests were missing and over what time frame. Because of that, not all tests they processed, which Fletcher says is not an insignificant amount, may not have been clearly communicated with the county. Uh, we know and expect those to be shared with us in the, in, the, in the near future. Until then, he says it would be irresponsible to speculate on how many were missed or their results. But officials say staff is making progress on how quickly they're investigating new cases that are reported to the county. So this is very good news, and we, uh, again, as of yesterday, were not backlogged with any of our case investigation assignments. San Diego County's public health officer, Dr. Wilma Wooten, says the increased staff and recent lower number of daily cases helped it improve on this point. She says lower daily cases also helped improve the county's case rate to get it closer to coming off the state's watch list. And it is really... Uh, thanks to everyone in San Diego that have done their part to change this metric. So we want uh, everyone to keep up the great work and uh, hopefully next week we will see that particular metric also normalize. However, this differs from what's currently listed on the state's website, and Wooten says that could be outdated or using a different calculation. The county is also still seeing far more community outbreaks at businesses than its threshold. Supervisor Greg Cox announced a new compliance hotline for San Diego's to report those not in line with public health orders. The number for the call center is 858-694-2900. Once a complaint is received, a call will be made to the business or entity to discuss the problem or concern. The goal will be to relay the complaint 
learn about their operation, and seek to determine if there is a violation. At the same time, organizations are working with county officials to better engage the Hispanic community, which has been hard hit by the virus. Mauricio Torre at South Bay Community Services says the organization is connecting those who test positive with Spanish-speaking peer educators known as promotoras. The continuous contact is done with the goal of keeping the individual well informed on the resources and actions to take to support the recovery process and protect the community's health. Supervisors also voted to provide 200 tests a day at the border for crossing essential workers and U.S. citizens. That's expected to launch in a few weeks. That was KPBS health reporter Taryn Mento. The hotline for reporting violations of public health rules is 858-694-2900. Child care providers in San Diego County can now apply for cash grants to help them stay in business. This comes at a time when daycares and preschools across the country are struggling to stay afloat because of class size restrictions brought on by the pandemic. KPBS reporter Claire Tregesser has our story. The County Board of Supervisors voted unanimously this week to spend $25 million in federal CARES Act funding on grants to existing child care providers. Providers operating in the county can apply for the grants to pay for COVID-related expenses, such as cleaning supplies and extra staff. Shante Brown, a child care provider for 22 years, called into the supervisor's meeting to say the money is badly needed. To make sure we have PPE supplies to keep everyone safe. We will also need to ensure we can provide, provide professional sanitation in our facilities. Speaking through a translator, Silva Aldana says the money wouldn't just help child care providers. Okay, so we ask that you please continue to support us as we continue to work to support the economy and the families of all the people that are working here in the San Diego region, especially between San Diego and Tijuana. Most daycare operators that have stayed open during the pandemic are losing money because of requirements that they reduce class sizes to prevent outbreaks. The YMCA and the San Diego Foundation will be tasked with giving out the grants. Claire Tregesser, KPBS News. The city council is scheduled to vote today on how they'll go about negotiating a new franchise deal to provide electricity to the city. It is a multi-billion dollar and potentially decades-long deal. SDG&E has held that franchise for the past 50 years. But there are some community groups who want the city to take more time on the decision. KPBS science and technology reporter Shalina Chetlani has more. The franchise deal could impact San Diego's energy and climate future for decades to come. But the terms of how to broker this deal are moving quickly through City Council. The Environment Committee first saw the recommendation and voted to move it forward on July 16th. While city officials say they've been reasonable and transparent, members of the community and one city council member says the process is being rushed and appears to be a backroom deal. In fact, a local law firm is suing the city for allegedly violating open meeting laws and not giving the public a chance to participate in discussions on the deal. Critics say the deal could be a significant source of revenue for the city, but if the city votes to move forward with the report, they'd be giving away the opportunity for too little money. Shalina Chatlani, KPBS News. The City Council is scheduled to consider the item during a special session this afternoon.
State lawmakers hoping to create more affordable housing tried to make granny flats cheaper and easier to build. But iNews Source investigative reporter Cody Delaney found San Diego might not be complying with state laws. If you're one of hundreds of people who built a granny flat in San Diego since 2017, you might have been overcharged thousands of dollars in fees for your permit. Construction fees on new granny flats under 750 square feet should have been waived at the beginning of the year, and some property owners should have qualified for breaks in water and sewer costs. But an iNews source analysis found San Diego may still be collecting those fees. City officials have not provided records that show compliance and did not answer questions. Based on the city's record keeping, there's no way to know how many people overpaid. For KPBS, I'm iNews source investigative reporter Cody Dulaney. iNews source is an independently funded nonprofit partner of KPBS. And coming up, as border wall construction continues in San Diego County, Native groups say they weren't given any warning about the possible destruction of cultural heritage sites. When we've gone out there to protest, we've seen midden soil, which is signs of cremation. We've seen flakes, tools, grinding stones. We've seen everything out there, and and that's in areas that they say that aren't artifacts. How young Native women are leading a protest movement in the mountains, that's next after this break. For weeks, members of the Kumeyaay Nation have been protesting border wall construction in San Diego County, saying their cultural heritage sites are being destroyed. Human remains have now been identified at the construction site, and local tribes are preparing for legal action against the government. KPBS reporter Max Rivlin-Nadler has our story. It stretches for 14 miles along rugged terrain. The quickly rising wall now cuts through areas that the Kumeyaay Nation, a collection of native tribes based on both sides of the U.S.-Mexico border, consider a major thoroughfare for their people. It was used for generations before white settlers arrived. Burial sites, former villages, and other culturally sensitive sites dot the landscape. But members of the Kumeyaay say that Customs and Border Protection, which is helping manage construction on the site, has ignored evidence of the cultural heritage sites they're now building atop of. They're using 10-year-old surveys to try to say that there aren't sites in certain areas. And when we've gone out there to protest, we've seen midden soil, which is signs of cremation. We've seen flakes, tools, grinding stones. We've seen everything out there. And, and that's in areas that they say that aren't artifacts. 28-year-old Cynthia Parada is a tribal council member of the La Posta Band of Mission Indians. She and other young Kumaye women have been leading the protest movement in the searing heat of summer in the Laguna Mountains. They've been standing in front of construction equipment and blocking access roads. Parada says the government is breaking the law by disregarding the Native American Graves Protection and Repatriation Act, known as NAGPRA. Congress enacted it in 1990 to protect and safely relocate native burial sites. We just want them to do it right. Right now they're waiving the laws that protect our remains, which is through NAGPRA. And they're waiving a lot of other laws as well, which is we're just not okay with because we fought so hard to get those laws to begin with. And now they're waiving them and just blowing through the work. Last week, members of the Kumaye Nation were accompanied by a forensic anthropologist who says she identified what was most likely a cremated human bone. In the past, Customs and Border Protection has reached out to Native groups to determine what to do with remains and engage in a government-to-government consultation about the best way to move forward with construction while preserving cultural heritage sites. 
It usually does this months before the beginning of construction. But this time, Parada says the government began construction without doing any of that. We actually just heard about it and we went out there to see if it was true and we seen the construction work getting done and that's when we decided to take action because we didn't know about it. We never received any information about it. The Kumaye say a representative from the Army Corps of Engineers told them the DOD is allowed to waive laws regarding burial sites because the wall construction is a matter of national defense. The money used for the wall construction is being redirected from the Pentagon's counter-narcotic budget, a transfer of money that's currently being challenged in court. Now, with further proof that CBP and the DOD are moving forward with the project without following the law, the Kumaye are preparing a lawsuit to try to stop the wall construction. And they're creating new access roads, they're creating new storage areas for their equipment, and none of those areas were monitored. CBP says it had several discussions with Kumaye leadership and members of various tribes since June to address their specific concerns. Kumaye protesters and especially younger tribe members say those meetings have gone nowhere. I don't feel that we're protesting. I feel like we're just out there simply protecting the land, protecting the history. 19-year-old Brooke Baines, who grew up on the Manzanita Reservation, has been juggling her first cashier job with helping organize the protests. Kumaye women are a strong group of women, so I would say it's really important that the young women are leading it because a lot of things in this world are ran by men, and older men at that. Bain says that's why they have to continue direct action, to keep going to the wall to try to stop construction. I stay in prayer while I'm out there. I'm praying the whole time that I'm out there for safety of my people, for protection, for the desecration to stop. So I'm not really thinking about me and myself and my body. I'm, I'm praying. Max Rivlin-Nadler, KPBS News. San Diego News Matters is a daily morning news podcast powered by all of the reporters, editors, and producers in the KPBS newsroom. Tune in to KPBS Midday Edition at noon on KPBS Radio or KPBS Evening Edition at 5 p.m. on KPBS Television to keep up with all of the news throughout your day. You can also find us on Twitter at KPBS News or to find our podcast producer, Kinsey Moreland, she's at Kinsey. I'm at Annika Colbert, and as always, you can find more KPBS podcasts like only here and Cinema Junkie on our website at kpbs.org slash podcasts or wherever it is you get your podcasts. KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. MCASD.org.